Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. This is it, week three of Holiday Survival Guide. I hope this has been a good series. The feedback is always really, really good whenever I do these kind of series. And when I say these kind of series, it's usually the kind of series that has to do with you and other people. Like, how do I manage other people? How do I handle the difficult people of my life? Because that's what really Holiday Survival Guide is all about for us. It's, it's us preparing you for this time of season, this time of year, where you got a few extra social gatherings, you got that extra work party, you got that, you know, you got to be around those family members that you typically try to avoid the 11 other months of the year, but this year, there's just, you just can't get around it. There's not enough good excuses out there to get you out of having to hang out with those people. Can I get a good gospel? Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Them people. And, and so everybody, typically in life, we have those people that we run into. And sometimes it's just social encounters where uh, maybe it's strangers that we bump into at the mall. Have you had a mall encounter yet? I was at the mall the other day. I try to avoid the mall. But like, I feel like people at the mall can be just kind of rude or they're so focused or their thing or like, I, I don't know. But like you run into like social weirdness in the mall because people are just rude. Um, and, and so uh, we had this the other day. And, and as a matter of fact, at week one, this is what we really talked about. In week one, we talked about how the first step to holiday survival guide is to judge favorably. And so when you run into those weird people at the mall, what you just do, give them the benefit of the doubt, judge them favorably. As a matter of fact, on the way to the mall, somebody cut us off in traffic. And my son goes, don't worry, dad. Remember what you said. They probably just have to go to the bathroom. So if you don't know what that means, go listen to part one of holiday survival guide. And so we want to judge favorably. That's part one of being a holiday prepper, right? Um, judge favorably. When, when you look at people that wrong you, offend you, irritate you, annoy you, start with, how can I judge them favorably? How can I interpret that in the best light possible? How can I give them the benefit of the doubt? How can I assume that they meant it the good way and not assume that they meant it the rude way? You ever had to that, that encounter? You know, they say something, you're like, I can take that one of two ways. I want you to take it the good way. Judge favorably and do that as long and as far as you possibly can. And even when you can't do that anymore, at least judge mercifully. That was week one. Week two, though, is we talked about how you have to love wisely. Like you've got family members, and this is what's true about family. You're stuck with them, right? Especially if they're blood. I mean, maybe certain, certain people, you're, you know, I hope you're not praying that they get a divorce and you don't have to ever see that in law again. That's not what you want in your heart. You're mostly just stuck with those people, right? You were born into that family. Some of you are laughing because you're like, how did he know? How did he know? I need to get that out of my heart. So you want to love wisely because some people can be so wearing, so toxic, so offensive, so hurtful that the only thing that you can do is create some space, some literal distance, some physical distance, maybe some emotional distance. Maybe you need to get some different expectations for those people so you stop getting hurt. But you need to love people because that's our command. That is the law of Christ, that we love one another. But how are you going to love people wisely? Because it is really, really hard to love people who are abusing you at the same time you're trying to love them. Can I get another good gospel? Amen. Yeah, because after last week, I literally had multiple people come up to me and say, Todd, you were talking about my family. That was us. You didn't even know. And so loving wisely is a, is a huge thing. Now today, everybody say today, might be the hardest one of all. It, it just, it might be. It might be the hardest one that I ask you to do. But to be a holiday prepper, a, to, to truly buy into the holiday survival guide, I need you to dial in 
and listen to me on this one. Because again, here, here's the thing that, that you're going to have to run into eventually in life, probably. You're going to say to me, Todd, I judged favorably. And it didn't even matter. They kept on doing that. They kept on being that way. Todd, I tried to create space, emotional and physical and all that. I tried to, and they still kept hurting me or wounding me or the hurt already happened. And, and, and then I had to create space. And so what do I do with the hurt that was already there? And that's what we're gonna talk about today. If you have your Bible, go to Ephesians chapter four. And the apostle Paul actually really addresses life and relationships and people and hurt and offenses and all that goes along with that. Ephesians chapter four, but this is how he opens because he's like, I need to preface what I'm about to say with this. Number, number one is this. He goes, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And I, here's what I want. I want to be made new in the attitude of your minds and I want you to put on the new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So he says this before he gets into like how you get along with people. He goes, you need to recognize who you are now. That as a Christ follower, I want you to know that now your life is divided into two parts. You got your old life and then you got your new life. You got old school, you got new school. You got the old way of doing things. Now you have a new way of doing things. And let me just challenge you, Christian. If you say, I have faith in God, but there's not a distinguishing mark in your life where you're like, this was the old me, and now this is what Christ is doing in me now. This is the journey that I'm on. It doesn't mean I'm perfect, but I am on an upward trajectory, and I am moving towards that new life in Christ, which, by the way, is like God in terms of righteousness and holiness and where my life is headed, my, my pursuits, my desires, my direction, that type of thing. He goes, you got an old life. And you got a, a new life. And that's an encouraging thing because what that means is this, is that you are not who you used to be. This is why, this is why the Apostle Paul says in another place, he goes, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things pass away. Behold, all things have become new. You literally, when you come to Christ, you get a clean slate, you get a fresh start, you get a new beginning, pun intended. You get, you get this whole new start on life. And he goes, the way that this life is going to go, is it going to be more like God in righteousness and holiness? So you need to recognize you're new. You're forgiven. You got a whole brand new slate, start on life. Everything's going to be different. So in light of that, here's how I want you to think. And most of what he talks about in the next 10 scriptures is how you get along with and treat and deal with other people. Ready? So in verse 26, he says this. He goes, in your anger, do not sin. Meaning, you're going to get angry. I don't, I don't ever hear the apostle Paul saying, don't get angry. He says, in your anger, meaning like, as a matter of fact, if you read the King James, it says, be angry, but do not sin. So you're going to have moments and experiences where you're angry. How many of you, anybody got angry this week, this morning, maybe on the drive to church? Yeah, you got something happened. You got angry. And the key is, is that you're going to experience. Now, some anger is good anger even. Like certain anger is motivating anger. When you are angry at the injustices of this world and it causes you to move in such a way that you say, you know what? That's not okay. That's not right. We need to change. We can do better. Let's take on this need. Let's take on this issue. These sufferings should not take place in the world in which I live. Let's do something about it. That's a, a righteous anger. It's a motivating. This is a good thing. But for the most part, that's not what we're dealing with. 
for most of us, our anger is, is petty anger. It's, it's, it's anger based on something that somebody did to us. It's us losing our temper. And he's saying this, he goes, in your anger, don't sin. Meaning it's not, anger is just the emotion that you feel. The question is, what will you do with that feeling? And he says this, he goes, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And, and I know married couples that took this literally, and you shouldn't. I know married couples that like came to me and they said, pastor, my husband will not let us drop an issue because he quotes this scripture at me and I just want to go to bed. What do I do? And so I told him, I said, you let her go to bed, okay? She's tripping, you're tripping, go to bed. Because it, it, it wasn't meant to be taken literally. As a matter of fact, it's in quotations because he's pulling it from somewhere else. It's just what it means is this. It means don't let time pass without resolving an issue. We're talking about seasons of life, large amounts of time. If you have issues in life, you shouldn't be going long seasons before you deal with them. I know that I, I have this occasionally if I'll talk to a married couple that's struggling in their marriage and they feel like things are on the brink. Normally, I try to just go back to the beginning and see where it all started. And this is the, this is the thing that I hear too many times. When did you guys start to have problems? When did the, 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 the relationship begin to get hardened or grow cold or whatever. And they're like, well, about three years ago. Well, about five years ago, what about two years ago. And I'm like, okay, so what happened was is you got angry and then you let large seasons of time pass before you dealt with those things. Now they're way harder to deal with. And so he's saying, don't let long seasons of life pass without dealing with things that are in your heart. And listen to this, this is huge. And do not give the devil a foothold. Notice how he relates unresolved anger to you giving the devil a foothold, meaning this, let's put it like this. Have you ever noticed that in your anger is when you had many times your most devious thoughts? You ever, hey, you ever plotted somebody's demise? Not that you did it, but you were thinking about it. You ever had some of your best zingers, your best lines, your best, you ever had, you ever like gotten so angry that you lost control and you're like, I, that, that's not even me. I lost control. That's not who I am. Why? Because in your anger is when you give Satan a foothold into your life. And so he's saying, be careful because you're a new person in Christ Jesus. You have a new life in Christ Jesus. You're going to be different now. And the number one thing we're going to do is make sure that we don't hold on to and harbor this anger for too long, because that's going to open up the door for Satan to come into our life and to wreak havoc even into our thoughts and actions. So let's keep going here. So he says in verse 31, like in light of this, get rid of all bitterness and the rage and the anger. And if you're a fighter, let's get rid of that. And if you're just really nasty tongued, let's get rid of that. We don't slander people and along with every form of malice. So notice this first sentence, he just kind of like, Everything's about the same, right? These are all brothers, sisters, and cousins in anger, right? So you got bitterness and rage and anger and slander. And, and, and he throws, I think malice might be the worst one. You know what malice is? Malice is when you are so enraged and so angry that you just adopt um, a lose-lose mentality. And here's what that means. Um, you ever notice like road raid videos? I hope this is not you. Please never end up on YouTube. Um, you ever notice road rage where like the person is so angry that they wreck their car into another car? Now, let's just be honest. That's stupid. Right? I mean, like that's illogical. That like, do you know what that's going to cost you? But that's malice. Malice is like, you know what? If we both go down in flames, I don't even care anymore. Right? That's where you're like, you're so angry, you can't think clearly. And you're like, if I burn the whole thing down and it happens to be my house, but you're in it, I don't care. 
That's malice. That's lose-lose territory. That's when you have lost your mind. But he's saying these things. He's saying, be careful that you, you don't go down this road. And in verse 32, he says, this is what you want to be. He said, be rather kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. And then he puts on the hardest thing that I think that we have to do sometimes with the people that hurt us, wound us, abuse us, take advantage of us. He says, I want, now I was telling you last week and you were okay with that. Get some better expectations, get some physical distance. You were okay with me getting a restraining order, Todd. I mean, you were okay with certain things and I like that better, but now you've kind of doubled down into where like, I need to forgive them. And the reality is they don't deserve it. And I would say, of course they don't deserve it. No, they're sometimes terrible, awful. As a matter of fact, let's just be honest. Inside of Christianity, the doctrine of forgiveness can sometimes seem cold. Like to me, I've had to like sit down with people who've gone through such incredible abuse. I can't relate to it. I have never experienced the abuse that you experienced. I never went through the heartache. I never went through the physical or emotional torment that you went through. I, and then I got this doctrine of forgiveness behind me. It says, and it can come off kind of cold because when you, because I, I literally have people come like, well, when I was a child, this happened and I was taken advantage of in this way. And then all of a sudden the Christian guy's like, well, you need to forgive. Doesn't that just seem kind of cold? Like insensitive almost even? So you have to be careful with this. But when you really look at it, what I want to get you to see is this, is that forgiveness is really, as we'll look at over the next few minutes, is something that sets you up for success. It's something that heals you. It's something that blesses you. It's something that frees you. The point of forgiveness was not because they deserved it. It was actually because you deserved it. But you got to wait and follow with me to see this. Because here's the deal. When someone offends you, you really only have two choices. I don't know if you ever thought about this or not. When somebody hurts you, abuses you, offends you, makes you mad, does whatever, however you want to call it, you got two choices, right? You can either forgive them or you can become bitter. And some of you kick back right now and say, no, Todd, I don't get bitter and I don't forgive. I go neutral. There is no neutral, okay? There's no Switzerland here. You can either choose to forgive because you, how many of you out there have ever said, you know what? I chose and purpose to be bitter. Yeah, wait, what two of you? So, but most, but most of you, for the most part, we never consciously say, you know what? I just feel like I'm gonna be bitter at him for the rest of my life. To the grave, I will be bitter at him. Most of us don't typically do that we feel like we're supposed to move on and we don't want to become bitter people but bless god i'm not forgiving them you got to be out your mind do you know what they did the reality is is that if you don't choose to forgive the default reaction is bitterness and that's why there's no options there is no neutral ground there's no there's the i didn't do either i didn't do i didn't i didn't do nothing that's what my kid i didn't do nothing there is no in-between ground. If you don't choose, bitterness is this automatic byproduct that slowly just seeps in. Now, if you ever wondered if you were bitter or not, let me help you see and discover if you are still bitter or not. These are some questions I would ask you because here's, here's my guess. You have a good reason to be bitter if you're bitter. Most of you. Sometimes it's petty, but most of us, if we're bitter, we have a legitimate reason to be bitter. So let me ask you if you're bitter or not. When you think about that person, what do you feel like inside? 
Stomach still get knotted up a little bit. You feel like you have heartburn. Like your chest gets tight and heavy or, or, or like you get that, you get that sensation. Um, you, when you see, if, if they called you and you saw their name pop up on your phone, what kind of emotional response would you have? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, if we talked about them, you know, like how would that go? Here's a thought. When you're alone, um, do you like still have imaginary conversations? These are nervous laughter, people. Um, you have imaginary conversations. And do you notice that when you have imaginary conversations, number one, you always win? Why is it that you come up with the best stuff to say, not when they're in front of you, but like an hour later? It's the Holy Spirit, probably. But, but like, if, if you still get emotionally worked up, if you still have co- imaginary conversations, imaginary reenactments, um, if you still remember the details, there's something about the words that they said that like, you, like if you ever like engaged with them again, there's a chance that they won't remember it the same way you remember it. And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. I remember. Remember you were wearing the red blouse with the white scarf and you had those new black boots on that you thought were so great. And then you said this and I quote, and this is, and then like, and you just like unleash. You remember every, you would, I remember there was the smell of cinnamon because remember Aunt Becky was in the other room and like, you know everything because you're tripping because you've, you've, you've somehow kind of frozen that moment in time and then placed it in your heart. And then you just, again, everything is just the word bitter. It's just bitter. It's just bitter. You ever, it takes time. So I'm not picking on people who are older in life, but because it just takes time. But have you ever met a person and you were like, wow, they are just a bitter old man, old woman. Because bitterness, bitterness is like cancer that grows. And so if you never resolve the bitter, it it becomes a part of who you are, and then it be, becomes a part of your attitude. It becomes a part of your mindset. It becomes a part of the way that you see the world. It becomes, in essence, the glasses that you put on, and everything that you see has to go through that lens of bitterness. And so over time, that's no reason why usually you can see it more clearly the older a person gets. It's because they just live with that bitterness their whole life. They never resolved the anger and offense and hurt in their life, and so it became a part of them. Now, Hebrews says something interesting. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews talks about digging up the bitter root. Almost like as if he gives this picture of like, no, when you get bitterness, it's almost like it, it grabs your heart. And then a little seed just starts taking root and planting down deep in your heart. And he says this, he says, you've got to dig it up. It, and just so you know, like digging something up and pulling out of your heart, that hurts. Like that can't be good. That can't be a pleasant experience. But here's the deal. You either dig up the bitter root or it becomes just like a part of who you are. It kind of seeps in all the way. And so what the Apostle Paul is going to show you here, I think, in, in these, these last words and some other words we'll read by the end of the day, is that the freedom that you want in life comes from forgiveness. Forgiveness is the shovel that digs up the bitter root. So now, but let me, let me say a few things before I get into what forgiveness is and how I want you to, to treat other people and forgive them. Because I just had a conversation probably just a month ago with a wonderful woman. And she came to me, she said, Todd, how do I deal with, and it was her son who had like taken advantage and some money and this and that and the other. She's like, what do I do? And eventually as we talked through it, I eventually led her this idea of forgiveness. But I could tell that as I asked her to forgive, that her definitions of forgiveness were different than my definitions. And I thought, okay, well, let me, let me correct this. And I thought if she had these 
wrong ideas of forgiveness. There's, there's probably at least a couple more of you that do. And so let me define this real quick. Because sometimes when I tell you to forgive, I need to tell you what forgiveness is not. So let me help you real quick here. Forgiveness is not denying or diminishing the sin. So when I ask you to do something that's so hard and so difficult to a person who is so hurtful and does not deserve it, I'm not saying that we just dismiss it all. I'm not saying that we deny it. I'm not saying that we act as if it never happened. No, no, it happened. It hurt. We're wounded and we need to heal. What they did was wrong. We're not going to deny. I know, I know a man who I counseled for a long time who he had gone through a really, really hard divorce. His wife had done this and left and this and that and the other. And he literally had this bitterness towards women in general. But when I would bring it up, he would be like, no, 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 no. I, I forgave her. That's done. I'm not even going to think about that anymore. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't think so. You're still tripping. You're still holding that thing. You, so I'm not saying that we deny that it ever happened. Number two, I'm not saying that, that forgiveness is enabling a person because sometimes you think, well, if I forgive them, that's letting them off the hook. That's in essence empowering them. That's, them, that's me saying that it was okay what they did. And I'm telling you, it's not. It has nothing to do with that. If you forgive them, that does not mean that you're participating in what they did. What they did was absolutely wrong. Number three is this, is that forgiveness is not a response to an apology. I, um, I deal with this all the time where it's like, hey, you know, I, I think it would be good to pursue forgiveness towards that person. Well, they didn't ask for it. Funny enough, Christianity, this is what distinguishes Christianity. All, all of the religions teach some level of moral virtue, right? Moral goodness. And every other major religion would teach you something like this. If somebody asks you for forgiveness, you should forgive them. And that sounds great, doesn't it? And then, and then Jesus steps in or the apostle Paul steps in. You read the whole of the New Testament. You're like, I want you to forgive them whether they ask for it or not. So the radical idea is that I'm asking you to forgive people who didn't even ask. Sometimes they didn't even care what they did. I'm still asking you to forgive. I know that sounds insane, but just trust me for a little bit longer. Just give, just give me the benefit of the doubt. Just roll with me for a few more because I want you, because here's what you need to be prepared for. Some of you are going to need to per, forgive people who have died and passed on. They're not coming back. They're not asking you for forgiveness. They can't make amends. They can't pay you back. They won't ever come repent to you. It will not happen. Some people, listen, there, there are some of you out, ladies, there's some of you out there that need to forgive a guy who hurt you back in, when you were in school and you've been carrying that thing and you've never seen him again. Maybe you didn't even know his name. I mean, like there are certain people, they don't care what they did. They don't have to, they won't be able to ask for an apology and they couldn't even pay you back if they wanted to. Forgiveness is, is, is weird like that. Um, not only is it not a response to an apology, it's not covering up sin. Um, I'm not going to put it this way. If you steal from me, I will forgive you, but I'm still pressing charges. <laughs> okay. That, that if you like, if you, if you physically assault me and beat me up and physically, I, I will forgive you. I'm calling the cops though. You know what I'm saying? Like we're not, forgiveness is not saying we're going to cover this thing up. No, no, no. We're going to expose it and bring it to the light. And you're going to deal with the consequences and ramifications for your actions. What happens to you can be completely separate from in my heart, me forgiving you. Number, number five is this forgiveness is not forgetting. That was like, I don't know who came up with this idea. Remember, I don't know if your parents told you this when you were a kid. Well, you need to forgive and forget. That's dumb. 
I don't know who came up. That's not a good idea. That's terrible. Like, let me, let me give you an example. Um, I know of, of a person who somebody hurt their children, abused their children. And as a believer, they thought, okay, I'm going to forgive them. And then when they crossed that line, say, okay, I'm ready to forgive. They allowed that person back into their family's life. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I will forgive you. I'm not forgetting. Does that make sense? I've even heard Christians say, well, doesn't the Bible say that God, you know, forgives and forgets? Isn't that where that comes from? That God throws our sins into the sea of forgetfulness or God forgets our sins? No, that's not what that means. For, to, you remember this is language. He, Hebrew language focused on the, the, the function, not the form. So, so for them, they would always use like these uh, illustrative, like when God or when the people or Moses said the people were stiff necked, right? He's just using some type of picture. So what's the picture of you forgetting something? It's as if you were acting in your heart as if that had never happened. So you're letting that go. Does that make sense? It doesn't mean you actually don't remember it. Do you think, how would it be possible for an all-knowing God to forget things? Does that make sense? I'll give you another example. Remember when Noah got on the boat and, then, and like he was on the boat for like 40 days and 40 nights and it's raining and flood and all that stuff. And then and it says, at the end, it says, and then God remembered Noah. Do you think God forgot about Noah? I mean, he's the only dude there at the point in time. Like, there's not even that many people to remember at that point. You know, like, it's just one guy. And so you think he was, like, up in heaven playing cards with the angels? Like, oh, my gosh, I totally forgot. We left Noah on the boat. Let's go down. Let's get Noah. We forgot. No, God. To forget means to, I won't hold those actions against you. Does that make sense? So to forgive is not to forget. No, you better log that thing away. As a matter of fact, this moves to the next one. Forgiveness is not trust. Same thing. Sometimes you've crossed the line. Sometimes in my friendships, if you cross the line, look, I will forgive you, but we may never be the same type of friends that we used to be. And that's okay. It's like, if I loan you my car and you go out and wreck my car, I'll forgive you eventually. I'll, for, I'll forgive you. You will never borrow my car again. Can I get an amen out there? So, so forgiveness is not all these things. So I just want to prepare you like, I'm not saying that when we forgive, that we're somehow just making it like it never happened in the sense of we deny it and diminish it and act and then just, or forget. And all those things are ridiculous. Here's what forgiveness really is. Let's, let's talk about this. Forgiveness is really, when it, when it happens, forgiveness is removing that person's control from your life. See, the reason why you still have imaginary conversations and reenactments and when you see their name, it's because they still have a level of control over you. That thing happened 10 years ago and it still has some level of control over your heart. And so forgiveness is saying, hey, I'm going to remove their control over my life. I'm not going to really harbor it anymore. As a matter of fact, there's a quote that, that says it like this, is that forgiveness is letting the prisoner go free and then realizing that the prisoner was you. I'm the one bound up by that hurt. I'm the one still worked up over that fence. They're, they're not even thinking about it. I'm the one still being emotionally worked over by this thing. What if I forgave them? they would actually, they would lose control. That situation would lose its power over my life. Number two is this, is that forgiveness is forsaking revenge. Remember that whole thing about malice and just burning it all down? This is where we decide not to plot their demise. This is where we decide not to get them back. This is where we decide not to like, you know, think up ways to make sure that they're alive. I don't want to curse them with the 10 plagues of Egypt. I'm going to forsake revenge. This is why the Bible says that vengeance is mine, thus says the Lord. 
Just by forgiving them doesn't mean that they will never reap the consequences of their actions. No one in this life escapes the consequences of their actions. Nobody does. Because sometimes we don't want to forgive because we're like, no, 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 Todd, I'll be letting them off the hook. I'm not saying that you need to let them off the hook in every way possible. But when it comes to revenge and vengeance, you let God handle that. Number three is this, is, and this is the big one here, is that really forgiveness is a decision and a process. The biggest mistake that I see with people whenever I address the issue of forgiveness in their heart is it's confusing because they would typically think that I'm saying that, okay, have a little mental moment, have a little prayer moment, God, I forgive them, and then that's it. It's done and it's over with. And that's not true. Forgiveness is not a singular moment. It's a process. It takes time. I'll prove it to you. If you're a Christian, you ever tried to forgive somebody, you ever notice how you forgive them and the next day you're still, <laughs> you go back to imaginary conversations and reenactments? Why was that? I thought I did that. Hey man, sometimes, um, I, I don't know about this, in, in my backyard, um, the people before me planted a bunch of like things along the back fence there. And so I am not a planter and I don't know how to take care of plants. So I'm like, okay, we're just gonna dig up a lot of this stuff. But man, I'm telling you what, I've dug up stuff every year for five years now because these little bulbs get down in there and then they just eventually come back up or you think you put the weed barrier down and then they come back. I mean, like stuff keeps coming back up, right? Well, think about that root of bitterness. Every time it comes back up, I need to deal with that one. And when this one pops up, I need to deal with that one. And you'll find stuff in your heart you didn't even know was there. And what I'm telling you is it's a process. Now, this is what the process looks like. The, the, the process is a little bit different for everybody. It's gonna look really similar or close to this thing right here. The first thing you would do is you say, God, I need your help because I don't wanna forgive them. But I know I need to, and I know it's going to be good for me if I do so. Would you please help me to forgive them? Now, this is the second thing you gotta do. This is the, maybe the, the hard part is you have to figure out what it is that they took from you. You have to figure out the offense, figure out the debt, figure out the thing that they stole from you, took from you. And then you have to literally say, I cancel their debt. They don't owe me anymore. I forgive them and their debt has been canceled. Now, again, a day later, you'll have to do that over again. And then a day after that, you probably have to do it again. But maybe you get a day off. And then the next day you do it over again. It's a process. It takes time. And here, here's what I've learned. That the closer the relationship, the deeper the wound can I get amen? The closer the relationship, the higher the expectation. That's why our mothers and fathers can wound us sometimes deeper. Our children can wound us deeper because there was an expectation there. Like Joe Blow and then the drive-through, that wound don't go that deep. You're over that in half an hour, right? But somebody close to you, so the closer the relationship, the deeper the wound. And the deeper the wound, the longer the process. And so what happens is though, is you just keep working this process. God, in my heart, I cancel their debt. God, I forgive them. God, I wanna let them go. God, I don't want bitterness in my heart. God, I let them, I cancel their debt. I forgive them. And you just keep repeating that process over and over and over and over again. And this is, this is how you, you know when you're, when you're done because Jesus says something that's so crazy. He says, I want you to bless your enemies. I want you to pray for those who spitefully use you. Meaning the very people that hurt you, he goes, I want you to bless them. Which you're like, are you nuts? I don't wanna bless them, I wanna kill them. I want to punch them. I'd like to put nails in front of their driveway. I'd like to do other things. I don't want to bless them. But, 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 if you'll journey with God towards wholeness, if you'll uproot the bitterness, if you'll move towards kindness and compassion and forgiveness, what happens is this, is that you reach a point in your life where you're actually ready to bless them. And that's when you know you've crossed the line. When you can pray for the person that wounded you 
and actually hope that God does good things in their life, that's when you know that you've crossed the line. Now, if in your heart, you still kind of wish that they would get theirs, you're not done yet. If you ever hear about their misfortune and it makes you smile, you're not there yet. You're like, wait a minute, really? Yep, really. There's still something in there. Now, now here's the question. How long do you want to be going up in your backyard and rooting up bulbs? You really want to do that forever? Do you? You really want that? Because that's the person that leads their life down this path towards bitterness. And God wants you to be free. God wants you to be whole. God wants you to have joy. God wants you to have peace. God wants you to sleep easy at night. God wants you to be able to bless others because that is an abundant life. The other life is a bound life. You're bound by your hurts, bound by your past, and bound by your wounds. Now listen, your wounds run deep, some of you, and I don't want to diminish or take that away from you. But what I want to do is encourage you to move towards forgiveness because ultimately, lastly, is this, is that forgiveness is a gift for them and you. The gift for them is that you don't seek revenge. The gift for you is you get your joy back. That's what you want. And, and, and let me put the icing on the cake here. I'm, I'm going to close right here. I don't want you to forgive because it's the right thing to do. I don't want you to forgive them because they deserve it. They don't. I don't want you to forgive because the Bible tells me so. Nope. The motivation for your forgiveness comes from one place and one place only. And I'll read it for you. Colossians 2 says this. It says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, which is just a really, for them, a unique way of saying you were apart from God, you were separated from God. When you were separated from God and dead in your own sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. Remember I said all offense is a debt. You got to cancel the debt. This is where this idea comes from. It comes from Jesus in the, in, the, in the parables. It comes from the apostle Paul and his right. The offense is a debt. You cancel their debt. But look at what he's saying here. He's saying that God forgave us all our sins and canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. The only motivation for you to forgive anybody else is simply the goodness and the grace and the love and the mercy and the forgiveness of God towards me, towards you. If God can forgive me of all my sins, then I'm going to at least work and move in a direction where I forgive other people of their sins. If I've been forgiven, let me extend forgiveness. If I've been graced, let me extend grace. If I've been shown mercy, let me show mercy, not because they deserve it, but because God is good. We'll close with this statement here, simple statement. That should be an I at the beginning. I will choose to forgive, not because they deserve it, but because I deserve it. I will cancel their debt because Jesus canceled mine. Let's pray this morning. Dear God, we thank you that we're forgiven. We thank you that in you, we can have newness of life. There's a new self. There can be a new attitude, a new way of living a new way of thinking, God. We can be a new creation inside of you, God. We thank you that for all the sins that we've ever committed in our past, even the ones that we've yet to commit in our future, God, you have already extended grace and mercy and forgiven us. 
And so, God, today we thank you. And only in light of that, God, we ask that you would help us forgive those who have hurt us. That you would help us, God, be a people of mercy. That we would look at other people's sins and seek to cancel their debts towards us. God, help some of us today begin that journey towards wholeness, towards freedom, towards peace. God, letting that stuff go and choosing forgiveness rather than letting bitterness take root in our heart, God. Lord, we thank you, Holy Spirit, for your help in all these things, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name, and we all say, amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.